achieve impressive. It's fourteen. Behold a three. The time is ten thirty a.m. The time is really live from New York. It's Ask an Engineer. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ask Engineer, the most fun you can have other than playing uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons with clear dice or making your own talking clock. Yeah. Uh, it's Ask Engineer. We're going to be talking about electronics, new products, 3D printing, videos, open source hardware. It's not out yet. It's one of our biggest shows ever. This is a, a jam-packed show. Yeah. So we're going to get right into it. Mr. Ladyado, what's the code? Okay. The code is Metro NXP. The reason is we're going to debut this. This is a really cool board. 10% off the native fruit store all the way up to midnight. Use it or lose it. Talk about some of our live shows. Show and tell just happened. Thank you, Liz, for hosting. Do a little bit of recap of Desk Lady 8, including the great search. And play a video from JP's product of Pick of the Week. A little reminder of some things that we do every single week during our time travel segment. We have a very special video mailbag. Someone who makes electronics shared a video. We're going to play it. Retro Tech, we have a cool, weird, clacky keyboard that happens to be in the Smithsonian. And we have one, too. Um, some main New York City factory footage right here in New York. We got some 3D printing. We're going to do INMPI. That's brought to you by DigiKey. This week it's TE. And a lot of top secret. A lot of new products. We'll answer yeah. your questions. We do that over on Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord, where we answer all of your questions and We'll get to all of them either throughout the show or at the end. Let's dive right in. Don't forget, code is Metro NXP. Lady Ada, people get free stuff. What do they get? Yes, we still have freebies. We've got that new coaster, $99 or more. You get a beautiful PCB coaster with gold print design and rubber bumpers. If you have more than one, perfect. Now you have like a full set. 149 or more. We've got the KB2040 all in one dev board that is uh, RP2040 based and pro micro pinout compatible. It's great for keyboards or any other kind of microcontroller projects. Yeah. We've got free UPS shipping back and any order over $199 or it's $200. Um, we got UPS back uh, for now. Uh, so. And if you're um, not hitting the free tier, that's okay. Our UPS rates are better than they have been in three years because we negotiated and they matched the rates we were getting from FedEx. So good news for all of you. And, and uh, Circuit Playground Expresses are still being given away orders over $299. Uh, that will end soon. So um, we're going to be switching it, out, switching it out with something else. Uh, but for now, you can get our all-in-one uh, sewable, wearable, hackable, alligator clippable sensor board that runs code.org. Uh, CS Discoveries, MicroPython, CircuitPython, MakeCode, yeah. MicroLisp, Arduino. Yeah, so, so when, when someone gets all like, oh, there's the best programming language, well, we make boards that pretty much runs them all. I think you even want to rest on this. Yeah. They've got a build for the SAMD21. All right. Um, we do a bunch of live shows. We've been publishing so much, and so much has been going on. Um, special thanks to Liz, who uh, hosted the show and tell. Uh, we were watching it from this side. You can see a ton of cool projects. Um, uh, Sophie came back to the show and tell a cool um, repair mod on this uh, like recorder. That's kind of neat. And then um, Make has a new cosplay uh, episode. So check out our, they're doing a stream about the new issue. And there's going to be a, um, a streaming uh, event. So you can check it out as a cosplay make and i remember when i was at make and i was always a little too ahead of what i thought 
should be on the covers and everything. Um, and I was like, hey, we should do a cosplay thing. And it was like, what's that? Um, so this is fantastic. And also, to be honest, it's kind of a better time to cosplay anyways. Um, it was really hard to do electronics and wearables and all the things that are kind of easy to do now. So I'm looking forward to that issue and seeing the stream. Um, we do Desk of Lady every single Sunday. Um, what show this week? Um, this week I was showing off um, some of these cool, weird displays. We'll, we're going to talk about those more. Round displays, square displays, bar displays. Uh, I've been designing a board that uses the ESP32-S3, which has RGB TTL display output. And um, so I showed, you know, what, like some mistakes I made, uh, how I modified the board to make it work, and then some uh, animation playback uh, using Arduino GFX library. And I also showed, you know, one of the... Uh, time-consuming tasks of adding new displays is you have to take this init code and put it into the right format and it's just like a lot of like hand editing and so um mr lady had the idea of like well why don't you use chat gpt for it and i was like there's no way that'll work but I actually did i gave it a c code and there's like a code um analyzer function now on chat gpt version 4 so you have to have a paid account but then i said hey take this you know rewrite every c function for me reformat it and give it to me in this other format and um it did and i even see like there's some things that didn't work quite well so um it's yeah. an iterative learning process we, but it does uh do a good job now now i know how to do it i've yeah. got like a bunch of displays and we have like our narrative that we talk about as well it's like some there's polarization about these tools like ai is going to take all our jobs it's going to kill us all um it's the best thing ever we're going to have star trek utopia so um, we have an editorial section. I'll get into that as we do some other things on the show tonight, where anytime we use any of these tools, we disclose which one we use. We say, here's the time and date. Um, so far, we only use it with our stuff. Um, and a specific example is uh, we'll see our code everywhere in these AI tools. <laughs> and that's interesting. But uh, we also want to be able to use it, like have it interact with our stuff. Um, so like when I uh downloaded a data set to look into my data set so um anyways um right tool for right job sometimes so we're exploring this you could see how an engineer is using it for some physical hardware kind of cool stuff um and then we do um the great search so the great search is when lady helps you find stuff on digikey.com what did you help people find this week uh, this is a good one for retro people. So uh, we had some folks uh, email and say, hey, you know, uh, how do you find replacement capacitors for these old retro devices? Um, you know, the companies that made these capacitors don't exist or the markings are really confusing and unclear. And I found that DigiKey has a really good tech forum post where they actually go through stuff I didn't know about how you determine what capacitor it is so you can like replace any busted capacitors because after like 10 20 years they start to dry out especially if they haven't been used for a long time it's very common to open up um an old device and find that the capacitors have been damaged or they're shorted tantalums as well maybe we'll do tantalums next time uh so check out this uh this video um i actually live show replacing a couple different capacitors and um also i paste the thread where you can go through and you can play a little uh quiz game where you like look at the image and and quickly like with your newfound knowledge figure out what kind of capacitor it is, the capacitance, and the voltage code for it. Okay, um, JP's back and did a product pick of the week. Take it away, JP, here's this week's highlight. It is the Audio BFF. This is for Cutie Pie and Zhao boards, and it gives you both a micro SD card reader and an I2S three watt amplifier. So it is perfect 
for plugging in a small speaker and playing audio files with this just stuck right onto the belly side of a cutie pie. There's a little micro SD card there with a bunch of audio samples from the video game Portal. Hello, and again, welcome to the Aperture Science Computer Aided Enrichment Center. Wit now, and cake will be served immediately. What I can do is take that SD card out, grab a different SD card with different samples. I'm just gonna slide that in, reset the code, uh, and now I have Totally different set of sound effects. It is the audio BFF for Cutie Pie and Zhao. Okay, and don't forget JP's workshop is tomorrow. On Fridays, you might catch a deep dive with Tim, or it'll be a deep dive with Scott. That's every single Friday at 2 p.m. There's a bunch of news that some of them are not going to get to this week. I'm going to probably talk about it next week. Um, just one mention, though. Microsoft is going to stop selling the Kinect, and we have a long history with the Kinect. Google, Kinect, Adafruit, we did a bounty for people to hack the Kinect. It um, ignited an entire industry so awesome. around so around um, using the Kinect for things. It was used in, like... All sorts of like clinical medical settings for you know for you name it it was just used for absolutely everything it was a low cost amazing uh you know scatter sensor we went and, to an art exhibit down uh, during christmas yeah. there was an art like an led art christmas holiday time exhibit down at the seaport uh and we went down there and like every other project was like oh that's connect. connect that's okay and um you know you know you have a big impact on something when um because the tech sites are writing a post-mortem they're like there was so many projects that microsoft helped out with the connect they were threatening to sue us at first. This is a very different Microsoft than it was 10 years ago. Um, they were telling us that if we kept pushing um, for this to be reverse engineers, we were going to get sued. And so what did we do? Uh, we just raised a bounty. So um, eventually on uh, Science Friday with Ira Flato, the head of whoever is at Microsoft is like, okay, we're not going to go after those weirdos in New York. Um, Downside is uh, all the articles completely erased eight for its role in it. That's okay. Like like always, that's fine. I mean, um, good. It should be. It should yeah. Be and, and so you know, I kind of uh, there was an interview with uh, Jack White from the White Stripes, and they're like, "How do you feel about you know your songs being used in anthems?" And he's like, "It's not mine anymore. It's like you know, it's the community's. It's like it's someone else's. It's it's." Were you gonna all charge thirty thousand British dollars yeah. to it, sing your song? Well, I'm just like you know, sometimes when you make something, if if you really want to succeed, you just have to let it go. And we did that. And uh, anyways, I thought it was cool. Um, so the connect is no longer for sale. Um, and then um, if you look across our socials every single day, almost we do PCB of the day. Um, these are from our TikTok. If you're interested in seeing the PCB um, that we recently redesigned because of chip shortage, um, you can catch that almost uh, every day. We try to do these Monday through Friday and uh, fun little vignettes. Right yeah, vignettes. Vignettes of um, some of the some of the work that we do and some of the applications uh, these things have. I like how like the music is different every day, or like the, the style yeah. and the music is different yeah. depending on your your mood. Yeah. You're like I'm in an eighties mood. If you today. miss if you miss MTV, this is uh, this is for yeah. you. Um, and then. Okay. This is a very special mailbag. Normally, the mailbag is an email to us or sometimes a physical letter. Uh, sometimes it's something else. This week, though, Joey is doing manufacturing, and this is a um, scene 
from the sensor watch light manufacturing at make augusta and uh joey says adafruit this is made in augusta factory footage right down to the thumbs up when test pass everything i learned about making a tester i learned from y'all so we did something super weird we show how we test electronics no one does that and that's kind of the secret dark art of electronics so uh joey posted up a video i wanted to play this it's about a minute and a half and it's how they're making electronics here in the united states using the things that uh we shared and uh joey implemented the first thing we do is we get solder paste onto the PCB. Here we use a solder paste printer and it uses a squeegee to squeeze paste through a stencil onto the board. How neat is that? And then we take the board with the solder paste on it and we put it in the machine. And we hit the go button. I'm taking my depanalyzing clippers and I put them right in there and then clip in all the edge rails. These are nice too because they're the exact right width for these mouse bites. So it gives you a nice clean clip. Sensor watch tester. Press red button to test a board. And we're good. Okay, like I said, this show is packed this week. Um, retro this week. Uh, so we have a backlog of retro hardware. So we have like a mini like Adafruit retro hardware museum. Um, we have a big collection of clackety keyboards. So this one I've been meaning to post for a while. Um, this is a clackety clacky keyboard from Bloomberg. And as far as I can tell, this is the only mechanical clacky keyboard. Um, I'll get cancel one. Um, that's in a museum. And mm. this one happens to be, and we have the same one, coincidence, um, didn't didn't know this until uh, I did some fact checking and some more research, but this one's in the Smithsonian. This is Bill Gross's Bloomberg keyboard. Yeah. And uh, who's Bill Gross? Well, uh, he has a bunch of money and he donated to the museum. So I think that's why it happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, really. So no, he did. Uh, Bill Gross uses Bloomberg keyboard uh, in his work at Pacific Investment Management during the 1990s and 2000, the Bloomberg keyboard is similar to other QWERTY keyboards and layout, but replaces many of the generic functions with finance-specific keys. So you can see it here. There's like gov button and cancel button, and like it has like uh, a microphone and headphones. I think I can mod this to turn it into like an MP3 player. Um, there's some more. Yeah, it's, the speakers are definitely interesting. Yeah. And uh, if you want to see more information, it was made by Maxi Switch Inc., Tucson, Arizona. Maxi Sound Keyboard. 
Yes. I wonder if it was like, you know, they made the maxi sound and then Bloomberg was like, okay, I want you to make a custom yeah. version that like you slap our logo on and like some of the keys are green. Yeah. And Look so that return. It's like when you click the, hit that return, you're like, I'm buying or I'm selling. There goes a mortgage, you know. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Um so it's in the Museum of Natural History, permanent, permanent museum. Uh you can check that out. So that is retro for the week this week. Python on hardware. This week is a big, 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 big milestone week. Congratulations, the entire community, everyone who works on the newsletter, and most of all, congratulations, Anne, who heads up the newsletter. I used to do it and took it over. We are now up to 250 Python on microcontroller newsletter editions. You can see it every single week. Um, it covers everything python hardware it doesn't have to be circuit python it's micro python it's regular old python i'll it's, just like throw like language stuff in there like yeah. this or you know yeah python in excel is a thing um there's a lot of python in, in, our, in our lives when i was doing an article about um open hardware certifications lots of python um happened to be used for the way i was getting data out um so you can check out all the stuff um there's events that are going on it's um projects that the community is up to. If you want to see what we think is the big trend that's going on in hardware scripting languages on microcontrollers, there is no better resource. So uh, big ups to Anne. It's a lot of work every single week. Uh, doesn't cost anything. There's no ads. We have a completely separate site called Adafruit Daily that uh, you can go to and uh, separate because we don't want your customer information mixed up with newsletter stuff because people should sign in to a site to buy stuff and there should be another place for newsletters and more and you shouldn't get spammed. Um, but part two of our Python and hardware this week is some CircuitPython news. We have, I think, um, one of the bigger things that's going to change microcontrollers or makers, which is um, being able to have all sorts of shapes and uh, easy ways to get stuff on display. So, Lady Ada, you got a demo this week. Yes. What is going on? Because we've been publishing round displays, what? square what's displays, bar displays. What's, what's going on? What's, what's going, going on, on with all these displays? And why is this such a big deal? Okay. And why does this little espressive entity have a hat? What's going on? I know. Why it's friendly. Right. She's friendly. I don't know if it's here. It's friendly. Um, okay. So, if you go to the overhead, um, I have a do, demo. Do, 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 and this do, do, is actually GIF.io. Um, so, this is a GIF that is being uh, drawn from the memory inside this whoop, one board, one board fell, um, ESP32 S3 board. And this is a, um, the S3 has a special peripheral that allows it to drive uh, what are called like dot clock or RGB TTL displays. This display is 720 by 720 pixels. It has capacitive touch as well, although we don't have that uh, working just yet. We're going to, you know, we're going to do that next. Um, this is the capacitive touch chip. And, um, you know, basically when you're using displays, um, like the ILI 9341 or ST7781, uh, sorry, ST7789, those displays don't get any bigger than 320 by 240. But what if you want to drive like big displays or round displays um, or bar displays? Those tend to use this 40 pin RGB TTL uh, interface. And not a lot of microcontrollers support them because you need a lot of memory. You have to buffer the entire image. Um, and it's like, you know, getting into the two megabytes of video RAM required. But the ESP32 S3 
has this one in particular has eight megabytes of PS RAM, which is plenty of PS RAM to um, have it drive this display. Now you're not going to get like you know you're not going to be able to play like you know full speed video, and it uses almost all the pins. Um, so it's definitely for you know if you have a project that's very display focused and you want to drive these large images, uh, large image displays. It's not good for, okay, I want to have I2S also, and I also want to have an SD card, and I want this display, and I want tons of sensors. Like, the, there is a limitation, but um, this is one of the few, few microcontrollers out there that can even drive these displays. So making it work with CircuitPython will make it really, really easy, because usually it's quite hard to wire these up and configure them and initialize them. Uh, so we're going to have example code uh, for all of them. This is a square display, but you know, as I mentioned, and you'll see later in the show, we have round, bar, half round displays, um, seven inches, uh, you know, high density, three inches. We have this gigantic round one that's like, you know, uh, four inch diagonal. So it's like, you know, the size of a dinner plate. Um, it's very interesting stuff because this is, I've, I've had these displays for a while, actually. I had this in my bin for a couple of years waiting until there was a way for me to drive them. Okay. And so um, stay tuned to um, pretty much everywhere we publish because it's happening fast. Every day we're making more progress across all these different displays. We have cool new ideas. We have um, round displays that can do stuff with Wi-Fi. So that's pretty much unlocks everything. It's going to be neat. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, that is our Python on hardware news for this week. Don't forget, once again, sign up for the newsletter. Delivered every single week. If you see Anne online, say good work, Anne. Awesome. 250. It's a lot. Yeah. All right. It's time to talk about some open source hardware before we go into our learn guides. We are an open source hardware company. I had published an article. It was uh, the changing nature of open source hardware. Basically, the article was about how there's companies that were known for doing open source hardware, and they seem to be retreating from it, from scrubbing their website with open source to uh, one, uh, requiring an NDA for the hardware, and but calling it open source. Uh, and then there was Prusa, the 3D printing company that said, uh, we're getting cloned, open source is getting eroded, and uh, Ashwa, they should, they should look into this. So I got an interview with uh, just Prusa and uh, did a bunch of research, article uh, made the rounds, there's a podcast, a uh, pretty well-known podcast that might have me on it, but I want to have the people that are experts on it. So uh, that led me to do some research. So the next article just came out. This one is, uh, and I'll just go to the, um, let's go to the thing. Um, get me out here. So this is uh, 3D printing, open source certifying hardware, Austria API China, a way in head. So I got a quote from Ashwa. They said they're looking into it on their own timeline. They're going to be talking to Chinese makers and more. There is a summit coming up. So maybe in 2024, we'll hear about that. They are a nonprofit. So they do post uh, minute meetings and maybe um, some of the updates will appear there. I will check in down the road and see how they're doing. This is obviously something very interesting to everyone who does open source. Um, the interesting thing is that the tension or debate is China is ripping off all the open source 3D printers and selling them and, and, make, and not providing you know, anything back. 
but the data says something different. So when you go to the um, Oshawa, sorry, that's the API. When you go to the Oshawa uh, site for um, certification, you can just search. And if you type China, there's eight projects and all of them are essentially um, and some of these are really 3D printers. And that one, the yeah. bottom one is so, February 23. So the Elgo, the um, CR, um, the Ender, these are all really well-known 3D printers. So it doesn't look like uh, China's just ripping off designs and, and selling them as closed source commercial things. It looks like they're participating in open source hardware. And I remember, I said the most notable one I remember was uh, Naomi uh, got Creality to publish the source code. And um, she got uh, and watched her video about um, how she was talking to them and what was important and how intellectual property um, is is being used in really thoughtful, good ways. So um, I was like, well, let me really dig into the, the, the data here. So the API um, downloaded the JSON file, and this is when we're going to, uh, let me get a, a key. This is when we're gonna pop into like slightly controversial land. I used, OpenAI's uh, code tool, <laughs> and I uploaded the JSON file, and then I started asking it questions, which was kind of cool. You can press show your work and all that stuff, and it'll do Python for you, and it did some checking. Looks like it was spot on with the things that I was looking up, and I said, hey, um, can you analyze this? And it's like, sure, let's analyze this. Um, here's all the entries, here's all the things, and um, the first question I asked is, what are the top 10 countries that certify and how many entries are there for each one? United States of America, 1500, Germany, 138, Croatia, 109, Bulgaria, 95, United Kingdom, 48, India, 47, Spain, 36, Mexico, 32, Canada, 30, Sweden, 21. Um, that was interesting. Then it said, well, what are the what are the categories? I want to know what are the top categories. A little bit of a surprise. I didn't think it was going to be this. Number one, electronics knew that one. But 3D printing was number two with IoT being a close second. And then um, education and science after that. And this is just me asking questions to the data source. Kind of cool. Um, normally, I would try to stumble through some Python and then ultimately ask Lamore. Um, but I was able to do this. And then I said, oh, for the 175 entries related to printer 3D, what are the top 10 countries they come from? United States has 122 entries and China has eight. So the top two countries that certify open source hardware is US in China. And then I'm like, oh, I wonder what software license everyone's using. So out of the 2,407 entries, 1,348 um, use the MIT license, which makes sense. Um, I recall folks trying to do research on open source hardware asking me these questions. And I'm like, well, like, I don't know. There's like an API you can probably ask around and do stuff. This is like a PhD in a box I must. Um, and then I'm just like, ooh, let me. Um, let me let me try to be funny. And I said, okay, for the certification dates of the top 10 responsible parties who certify hardware, what's the most popular day of the week? It's Friday with 331 issued on that day. Last last thing to do before the weekend. Yeah. yeah. And and to be fair, that's when someone approves them. It's not when they get um, submitted. Yeah. Okay. And then for the certification dates, what's the most popular month? It's May, which is usually right after the summit. So people go to the open source, the open hardware summit. Yeah. They go back and I'm like, I'm gonna certify myself. And then lastly. Look at this chart. You can see, um, I think this is probably the most interesting chart, which which I believe and hope Oshawa will look into, 
which is okay lulzbot they were a us 3d printing company these are the top 10 these are the top 10 um certifiers certifiers and it's like lulzbot that's a 3d printing company what happened after 2020 because they didn't certify any hardware after that. they were in a good on good clip yeah and then olamex they're still doing stuff kind of slowed down in 2021 they have a couple recently and then um you know just straight up it looks like uh you know spark fund had some early certifications we did a bunch they did a bunch we did a bunch they did a bunch we did a bunch and it is you know neck and neck which is great um we have 600 they have slightly less than that and then there's kind of a longer tail for the rest of the companies um that's healthy and this is like all stuff that you can do and for us um, and I'll just go back to the original um, piece here. Um, or the the first thing is, so anytime we use AI tools, we'll disclose it. We'll say what version we're using. Um, you can check our editorial standards, but you can also look at. Um, I linked. Um, here's a chart of the certifications and which countries there are. But um, I also uh, clicked. You know, show your work. Um, little chatbot, and you can see it imported pandas. It went through this. It figured out um, the certification date for us and it did like a linear <laughs> chart of how soon we would get to a thousand certifications so um you know i kind of look at this as like an advanced spell check i it didn't do my work for me it was the work that i was doing and i published it and i disclosed it and i think this is a good way to use these tools we'll continue to use them this way um We've told our team, if you find these tools useful, just state what you're using and the models or the, you know, the link to what it's coming from. And generally speaking, this is all data that's available out there and we only use it on our data, but I understand that there's, there's folks that have strong opinions about this. So, um, that is the latest update. I might do an article later. We'll see, but the Asha API is awesome for people that are into, uh, open source hardware, um, trends, where it's being uh, made, certified, and what's important or not. Next up. So speaking of, <laughs> uh, we got a bunch of open source hardware. Uh, we yes, have, yeah, we have a lot of guides. What's on the big board this week, Data? This week, we've got a guide from Pete Warden on um, reading QR codes with the Teeny Code Reader. It's a new product that's being announced uh, this or next week. It's a little sensor that has a camera and um, an I squared C interface, and you can use it to read QR codes over I squared C, which is kind of neat. And it uses uh, machine learning, uh, TensorFlow like for microcontrollers. And then, of course, uh, knowing Pedro and Phil B um, had this talking D20 project. They built it many years ago with like a trinket and Arduino, and it was, you know, wonderful and everything. But it's much, much easier to build nowadays with a prop maker feather because. The accelerometer, the speaker, um, the uh, data storage for the wave files and all the playback stuff is all handled um, internally, uh, as well as the, the battery uh, charging and discharging uh, and monitoring is all handled by a single board. So there's like minimal amount of um, coding that you need to do that. It's like a lot simpler and a lot smaller. And the build is um, really nice and uses like magnets to close together. So if it sounds familiar, it's like, yes, we did do this project earlier as an Arduino, but now it's been remade in CircuitPython and it's awesome. And we have a little video later. Uh, Melissa went through and has updated the Adafruit Funhouse and other Home Assistant guides. Apparently there's some change in the Home Assistant API. Uh, so now our stuff continues to work. She also published a major guide 
um, that takes what was originally a Raspberry Pi message board and ported it to the Matrix Portal S3. And she was like, yeah, you can pretty much have a complicated message board project with animations and background graphics and alpha blending all done in CircuitPython. So you don't need to uh, get a single board computer. You can just um, use a Matrix Portal S3. And another rebuild that we did um, Liz Clark uh, remade the Talking Adabot Clock. This is Phil and I's, one of our favorite projects that we did. Yeah. The original project used a wave shield and a data logger shield and Arduino, and it was very complicated. Very complicated. It was a complicated build. I mean, at the time, it was you know easier than not using Arduino. But now, again, with the PropMaker, it's an all-in-one project, like almost no soldering required. Um, and the audio quality is really good because it uses a digital I2S um, amplifier. And uh, you can store all the different WAV files in any voice. And it's a fun clock just to make a talking clock. But I also thought it would be great for accessibility. Um, you know, it's, it's a simple thing. You press the button, it speaks the time. You can, of course, change the language or the voice. Um, also might be good for kids or other people who can't read a clock. So, you know, what time is it? You just press the button and it tells you if you can't read digital or analog clocks, this this will do the job. And then I think, do you want to like look real fast if there's any other guides? I don't yeah, think so. Yeah, a couple updates. Uh, and then Metro S3 guide went live as well. But okay. also we added Whippersnapper, Tyth added with Whippersnapper support for these, the BME 680, 388, and LPS3. So we've, we've been like cranking through those as well. We'll have a Whippersnapper update, I think, yeah. next week. And uh, here's a quick little one-minute video about the talking clock. Liz. Not sure what time it is? Never quite got the hang of reading an analog clock? The time is 9 o'clock a.m. Ask Adabot by building this talking clock project. Inside is an RP2040 prop maker feather running CircuitPython code. The code uses a DS3231 real-time clock breakout connected over I2C. Whenever you press the button on the top of Adabot's head, he'll announce the current time for you through the speaker. If this project sounds familiar, that's because it's a remake of the fantastic Wave Shield Talking Clock by Phil B. With the release of the RP2040 PropMaker Feather, it felt like a great time to revisit this idea. Adabot's Head is a remix of, well, Adabot's Head from the Adabot Toy Robot Friend project. The time is 1.44 p.m. To accommodate the clock electronics, Adabot's Head was lengthened and a few mounting holes were added. To see how you can build your own friendly talking robot clock, Check out the learn guide at learn.adafruit.com. Time for some factory footage. factory footage let's do some 3d printing we're going to play these back to back this is the um now famous <laughs> electronic talking d20 video and then a speed up with some toes 
that poke out of crocs. It's the only show that does this. You can roll your own D20 in talking D20 with 3D printing and CircuitPython. This is a remake of our classic Arduino project that we respun as a much easier build using the Adafruit RP2040 PropMaker Feather. The two halves are 3D printed and house the all-in-one dev board along with a mini speaker, slide switch, and rechargeable battery. The built-in accelerometer detects when it's been rolled and plays an audio file of the number it's landed on. The RP2040 PropMaker Feather is secured to one half of the D20 and the two snap fit together with neodymium magnets. Philip Burgess, aka Paint Your Dragon, ported his original Arduino code to CircuitPython. The face vectors have been remapped to fit the new orientation and features freefall detection using the LIS3DH accelerometer. To learn how to build your own, check out the guide at learn.adafruit.com. The USB-C port is accessible when the D20 is open. Phil B included a nifty feature that tells you when the battery is low so you know when it's time to recharge. Battery is about to die. You can 3D print the halves yourself or have a 3D printing service make them for you. The electronics are mounted to one half, so we opted to include a spot for adding a counterweight to balance out the die. We had a lot of fun working on this and hope it inspires folks to give this unique project a roll. Hi on MPI, brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit this week. It is TE Lady Ada. What is on MPI this week? This week's on MPI is the TE Limbos uh, LTE GNSS cellular modem. Uh, looks like this little doohickey. This is a handy little device that you can use to add cellular data connectivity and geolocation to a single board computer or it's like a desktop computer anything that has a usb port lembus as you uh, you will know because you're um a fantasy fan is the elvish way bread that yeah. uh you only need to have a little bite um to fill your stomach and is used by the hobbits as they travel through uh the forest and so uh this is a, like lembus this cellular modem will help you find your way because it's a geolocation device uh, and it's also very filling okay 
So uh, what is this? Uh, it's a USB modem. Um, and if folks remember old style modems that would connect through your RS-232 port on your computer or your serial port and would um, tie into the phone line, and then you could use it to dial up and get internet access. This is just like that, but there's no phone line. It uses a cellular modem inside and the access to the data comes through USB. So you just plug into a USB port and it shows up as um, a serial device that then your operating system um, dials through and you need to have a SIM card. So you need to have a SIM card with data access. It does come with one that you can activate. And then you can get um, LTE speeds, which are actually pretty fast. And this is designed specifically for use with um, single board computers like the Raspberry Pi, the Odroid, and the Asus Tinker, and NVIDIA Jetson Nano. Those are like four of the very popular single board computers. But you can use kind of anything with Debian or Ubuntu. And of course, it also does work with um, Mac or Windows or like non Raspbian style um, Linux development systems. Uh, so we opened one up and inside is a Quectel EC25. Um, and this is a this is the cellular and GNSS module. So, you know, we've covered Quectel before. Uh, they're experts at this. They make the modules, they get them certified so that they're um, legit to use on the network and they're you know, FCC and PTCRB uh, and uh, all that good stuff. Uh, don't worry about the EMI. Um, that's this is not going to be valid very soon. This is the um, LTE CAT4 modem. So, you know, you can get a fairly good data transfer up to uh, 150 megabits per second down, 50 megabits up. So maybe not for like streaming a lot of video, but definitely good enough for data transfer, IoT projects, sending images back and forth, uh, data chunks. And you know, if you have, you know, general purpose internet access that you need for your device, you know, you're used to Wi-Fi or Ethernet. You can now unplug and go anywhere without having to connect a hat or solder anything up to your Raspberry Pi. Um, there's a couple different um, modules in this family. The reason you might want to know the module is because you want to use the AT command set directly. Uh, you can download it from the Quectel website. Um, note that this is the AFXD data only version. It just might be handy. And uh, this does come with a GNSS inside. So GPS, GLONASS, uh, Baidu, Galileo, and QZSS. Those are the different constellations available for um, tracking location around the world using you know, the GPS satellite system. And you know, even though, again, this is marketed towards single board computers, absolutely great for that. It'll also work with uh, general purpose Windows, Linux, or Mac. Um, on the other side of the module, when you open it up, um, there is, you know, you see the USB-C connector on the right, and then there's this power supply chip. There is a SIM card. It comes with a SIM card that you can activate. Uh, it's data only, and of course, you'll have to pay because it's, you know, um, it's a monthly subscription service for a SIM card. While the SIM card does come with it, it is removable. It's just a micro SD, uh, micro SIM. And so if you want to use your own SIM um, or, you you know, you're going... You know, abroad or whatever and you want to use um, a different sim card or like a sim swapping system you can just open it up once you open it the warranty is void but like i'm a hacker so i like to know like you know is it possible to change it it's not an e-sim it's just a removable one and um what's interesting is in the top right there that chip the te chip is uh, sorry the ti chip is a usb hub um and that's interesting because inside is actually two usb devices we'll get to that in a moment um, so on the front, uh, there's some fun design decisions that they made. Um, so I'd like to point them up. Once the activity LEDs 
uh, make up a TE logo and it looks like really cool. There's uh, little light pipes that go through. So, um, you know, the activity and the connectivity uh, and power um, comes through um, these light pipes that, you know, it's like, oh, there's like a, a logo, but it's actually not, it's an indicator. Second, if you go back one, this, um, you can kind of see it's a little shiny. It's conformally coated, which is, which is nice. It's not, you know, waterproof or even weatherproof, but if you have to, you know, have it outside and there's some humidity, uh, you don't have to worry about it oxidizing as quickly. Um, I did notice a nice conformal coat. So they, they spent a little bit of extra effort, um, to make sure that this board is protected, uh, for when you use it, say for, um, digital signage that might have some exposure to the elements. Okay, and then uh, get down when we did this one. Um, so when you plug it in, you know, uh, of course you can use it on, on your Raspberry Pi, but I thought it'd be more informative to have it plugged in on my Windows computer. It does come up with three ports. Uh, there's the AT port, which is where you can send AT command sets if you're used to cellular mo uh, modems or pretty much any modem, you know that use AT commands to send and receive data. So if you wanna do direct control, of the module, you can do it that way. The NMEA port is, as you expect, the GPS module, and that kind of pipes out NMEA sentences. And then the DM port is for um, data transfer. I think that's for the high-speed data transfer. When you're trying to get that 150 megabits per second, you wouldn't necessarily use the AT command port. Um, the other interesting thing that they did is, as I mentioned, that there is a USB hub chip in there. So that USB hub chip um is used to allow you to connect to both the cellular mod cellular module modem which gives you those three com ports and there's separately a usb key inside it's like a disk storage and this actually solves a very annoying problem of oh wow i want to put my device on the internet but i can't put my device on the internet because the drivers require me to download them from the internet so how do i get them um if you remember that from like wi-fi modules like before the drivers came with every operating system but for cellular modules especially for Raspberry Pi, it, the, the instructions for how to set them up are not built in. So this way, instead of you having to type in all these commands and, you know, and like memorize them, the SD card, uh, sorry, the SD card, the USB key that comes inside the module as part of that like second hub connected USB key has the um, code and instructions and shell scripts for you to install the, the modem directly on an ARM chip like, you know, nvidia odroid or raspberry pi so it's like you pop it in and you're like it mounts automatically you just run install te install.sh and it does it everything for you and you're like ready to go in under two minutes very fast um as mentioned there is a built-in sim card you can provision the sim uh by going to their uh sim provider and then of course here's the instructions for that usb modem again i was like what do you mean it just auto mounts and then i realized oh it's a usb key inside so that's kind of nice and uh great for asset tracking especially because it's got both cellular and it can drop down to uh, gprs or gsm but has cat um category 4 lte which is you know pretty much has almost complete coverage in the united states um the gps is really good quality so you can use that to locate devices and send their location over cellular or you can use it if you're like you know let's say you have a bunch of um, like not trucks things are moving but um machines that you're tracking and you want them to report who they are sometimes it's like you don't necessarily they don't necessarily go out with the firmware that tells them hey this is your unique identifier 
you can use a location instead. So for example, you know that you have a client, you know, in um, Augusta, Georgia, you don't necessarily know, like if they moved around, the GNSS will tell you, hey, this is where your client is located. You can use that to identify the data um, instead of just relying on like the EMI or like a unique username or password. So I think useful for a lot of different products where you don't want to have to rely on Wi-Fi access because Wi-Fi passwords change all the time. Okay, and it is in stock at DigiKey. That's right. You can actually get them, which is pretty sweet. Um, and the price is, you know, less expensive than if you tried to like roll your own using the modules. So you get the SIM, you get the casing, you get the USB key storage, USB hub, um, power supply. Everything's ready to go in this like adorable little case. Good. Okay. Um, and then we're going to play this video and then we'll see you on the other side for new products. Get reliable speeds with TE Connectivity's Lembus LTE GNSS USB modem ran on an LTE CAT4 network with GPS tracking capabilities. From consumer products, industrial automation, engineering education, and maker projects, the Lembus LTE GNSS modem prioritizes your next big IoT project. The Lembus is designed for use on a wide array of single board computers utilizing ARM chipsets and Linux OS. The Lembus also includes plug-and-play operations, making LTE and GPS connections ready after plugging in and a single command on terminal for easy installation. The Lembus has a built-in Podgroup SIM card, which can be activated using the Podgroup's website, enabling connection to the AT&T network, getting data connection subscription you can rely on. The device also functions as a portable USB drive, allowing for extra storage capabilities and convenient installation. Get a wide array of project design choices with flexible connection options and small device footprint capabilities, giving you the freedom of placement without obstructing adjacent USB ports. TE's Lembos LTE GNSS modem is your convenient all-in-one package for your next big IoT project. The only limit is your imagination. It's ready to connect your world. Don't forget the code is Metro NXP. We're going to roll right in. New, new, new. Okay, these are coming soon screens. Yes. So all these cool screens that we've been showing off, squares and rounds and high density and capacitive touch. Um, people are like, when can I set up? When can I get them? Well, we're going to have them in the shop. So we just wanted to get that ready since there's quite a few. Yeah. So they're being photographed and there's little placeholders in the store. So if yeah, you sign like, up. They'll go fast. Yeah. And you'll get notified when we do get them in stock. And then we'll, of course, have the driver board as well. Next up. Next up, we've got the Tiny Code Reader. This is from Pete Warden. We have a guide that goes with it. Thankfully, he wrote it uh, for the learning system. Um, and this is a very simple sensor. I mean, simple, it's complicated, but it seems simple. It has an RP2040 on the back and a camera module on the front, and then a JST, 
a sage connector that can be used with quick or stemma boards and what it does is uh, if you go to the last photo when it sees a qr code it will automatically read it and will give you back that data over i squared c and it's very fast um, and very good and a lot less expensive than most qr readers because it has a general purpose purpose microcontroller programmed with uh, tensorflow light for microcontrollers that does the image recognition so I think I'm going to skip doing a demo because it's very simple. There is a there is a video. You want to play the oh, video? Oh, yeah. Let's Good. do the video. check it out really good pricing um i think it's like seven dollars for the sensor that does cool. a lot and uh you know secretly you could probably hack it to do some other stuff too yep. uh, so check out uh tensorflow light for microcontrollers and a lot of other pete warden's smart sensor technology next up next up uh this is something that we're using for internal hacking but i thought i would make a dev board for it so other people could hack with it it's a uh, piezo driver using the PAM 8904. This is a chip that's specifically designed for driving piezo discs. And it, what's interesting is, is that it seems like the audio amplifier, it can go up to 300 kilohertz, which is not something you can do with, um, it's 100 kilohertz. I can't remember, but it's like more than 20 kilohertz of, uh, piezo discs. So it's good for ultrasonic and like other, um, like non-audio based piezo driving needs sometimes you have to like vibrate something or you want to like bounce ultrasonic waves off of something a piezo will do that whereas a speaker will be too slow so this is a driver that takes in three to five volts or two and a half to three to five volts and it will um use two internal switch cap converters to give you up to three times gain on the voltage and then it uses differential output so if you have 3.3 volts in and you have three point three times gain, they'll give you 10 volts output. And then differentially, because it's like plus or minus, you'll get 20 volts across the piezo. So much stronger drives, especially we needed this for doing ultrasonic experimentation where you can't just drive it from my controller pan and get, you know, three volts, 20 milliamps output. You want something much stronger. There's a little gain setting at the top. Um, both are off. It's, you know, if both are set to off then the sensors in sleep mode or the drivers in sleep mode one gain two gain both to the right is three gain only thing to watch out for is don't set it to three gain if you're using four volts or higher because the output really doesn't want to be more than 10 volts um peak to peak and while i wish they wouldn't let you purposely destroy the sensor and you're not going to destroy it instantly it's not good for the sensor to be strained so if you're at five volts, you know, keep it to one or two gains. So you don't go above 10 volts. All right. And then the start of the show tonight, just like you, lady, our customers, our community, the entire Adafruit staff, and more is? Yay. It's the NXP DigiKey Adafruit collab that we started in late, late 2019. Finally, here in the shop, uh, we've got a Metro-shaped board with the um, IMX RT1011. We have an existing board that's very similar that's Wi-Fi. This one has micro SD, so it's very affordable. So it's under 20 bucks and you get a 500 megahertz IMX 
NXP processor. This is a Cortex M7. This is like an incredibly powerful chip. Beast. And it's less expensive than many AVR 8-bit microcontroller boards. So. I like the silkscreen design. Yeah, the silkscreen is very beautiful. Thanks to Phil B for it. It's got a micro SD card slot, so you can use it for uh, data storage or retrieval. USB Type-C has native USB. You can power it from a DC jack. Um, again, this very powerful 500 megahertz processor with 128 kilobytes of RAM. And for storage, uh, both disk storage, internal disk storage and firmware storage, eight megabytes of QSPY flash. So it's very speedy. So great for data logging, or if you want to stream data off of the micro SD and process it very quickly, because we don't have anything faster than the Cortex M7 for a microcontroller. A lot of accessories on it as well. And not just you've got all of the um, Arduino compatible headers, so you can use shields with it. STEMIQT QT port as well. Um, NeoPixel built in, that micro SD card on off switch a JTAG SWD port. So if you want to do step debugging, you can connect this up to your JLink um, and use it with uh, MCU Expresso, which is NXP's IDE. You can do step debugging with their programming system. I will mention though, even though it is Arduino shaped, it does not actually run the Arduino IDE. Instead, we have CircuitPython support, which I think is great because you can get up and running really fast. And we support I2S and the SD card reading, and you know, digital in out, PWM, analog, all the stuff you expect. Or you can use NXP's IDE, which of course is going to be the most powerful. And they've got IDE with tech support and um, all of the um, ARM Cortex uh, SimSys core required to uh, use all the peripherals on the M7. So you want to get started really quickly, go with CircuitPython. You want like power and control over every register and every byte and all the caches, uh, use NXP's tools. But either way, um, this is the partnership that we're doing because we wanted to show people that even though this is a 500 megahertz processor, we can make it as easy to use as an 8-bit microcontroller. All right, and uh, somewhat collectible board too. I think this might be the first circuit board with the new DigiKey logo. Yes. And that is new products for the week this week. <laughs> All right, everybody, there's some questions lined up. We're going to get to those. While we're getting to those and lining them up, we're going to play some Top Secret. And then we'll see you on the other side. Don't forget the code is Metro NXP. And then we're going to bounce because we're right at the line. So let's do some Top Secret. Early data, what is this? This is me testing out the MJPEG player available in the Monoro Nation Arduino GFX library. This is a 2.1 inch round TFT display and have it showing this cool animation. Yeah, I'll be it. your Samantha Carter if you be my Tilk. I don't know what that means, but that sounds romantic. There was a good episode where they make a, a very small Stargate. Yeah. And um, and this could be a pocket Stargate. Ooh, how cool. I don't know what you'd transport to another <laughs> planet, but it wouldn't be all of you. All my Arduino code. Yeah. Uh, so this is being driven by an ESP32 S3. And a, oh, that's a, a dial. Nice dial. And this is a parallel TFT. So this okay. is um, 16, sorry, 18-bit color. Sorry, it's an 8-bit color display being driven with 16-bit color. And then the MJPEGs are stored on this um, SPI micro SD card. So it's um, looking really fun and great. And this is perfect for, like, I want simple animations playing. You don't want to have, like, a full Linux computer. Um, MJPEGs look pretty good. 
And for pockets. Really, Ada, what is this? Uh, this is me um, playing an MJPEG on one of these bar displays. So I've got these displays. I love this shape. We've got the round and the square, but these bar displays are so good, cute, Good too. for cyberdecks. Cyberdecking. Uh, or, um, you know, something that goes in your tower and your five and a quarter or a yeah. three and a half inch floppy drive. So I'm playing um, an MJPEG uh, animation off of a micro SD card. This is wired up to my ESP32-S3. Um, and I'm seeing a couple things. Well, first it just crashed, so let me reset it. That's part of the part of the fun of picking up hardware. <clears throat> is there's a little bit of a tearing effect. Um, you can see like these lines that cut through here and there. Mm. Um, that's because I'm using um, the the code that I'm using only has one single buffer, and so when it draws the JPEG, it decodes it onto the main frame that's also being displayed. And so you're going to get um, as the animation goes, you're going to see this flickering effect. Double buffering will help there. I also think there's a little bit of um, destabilization in the V-Sync and H-Sync pulses. So I'm going to talk to the factory and see if they have um, any other suggestions for uh, clock rate, H-Sync pulse, or back or front porch settings. Um, but anyways, thank you, Demo. Bing, beep, 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 beep. Sushi time. All right, Lady Ada, where's that thing that time that you put that thing? The zip, 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 zip. Here it is. It's a uh, floppy disk image on this square display. So it's in a floppy display. disk. It's a drive, floppy yeah. drive. So this is a 720 by 720 square display, and it does have a touch screen on it, so you can uh, draw. I'm just doing dots, but of course you can have it draw lines and stuff. And it happens to be like almost exactly the same size as a floppy disk, so it's kind of fun. Somebody had the idea of like, oh, you could have like yeah. a smart floppy. It'll show it's being or emulated or something. Yeah, That's kind of cool. Uh, and then this is being driven by an ESP32 S3, which, um, you know, fun fact for people who are watching this video all the way to the end, uh, CircuitPython support is coming for these displays real soon now. Jepler just got a first demo working. Uh, but this demo is in Arduino, and it's just uh, drawing a JPEG that is being stored on this um, SD card onto the 720 by 720 square display. Coming soon. Okay, we're going to play some Round Doom. Pew, pew. Uh, round Doom. Lots of neat stuff. We got our Hackers 4K DVD, so of course we had to do a um, screen. And then we're playing around with some keyboard ideas with these round displays. We're like, oh, maybe we'll um, have a round display with a, a Key 2040. And then, of course, uh, afterwards we're like, well... You know, someone's going to be like, can you run Doom or not? And uh, we're calling it Room. I think Topbot said that. And that's our top secret for the week. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's even more than I just didn't get to. Um, let's do the questions and then bounce around. Are you ready? Yeah. Lady, you're going to speed round me and I'll read them off. Here we go for the um, this board. Yes. Um, 3.3. Volts? Yes, it's a three volt, three volt microcontroller. Okay. Um, so you'll use that for analog inputs, digital inputs, and outputs. But the board itself has a five volt power supply. Okie dokie. 
next up, is the M7 as powerful as a Pi, or is there any other ADA boards that uh, could replace a Pi? It is the closest to a Pi. Um, like a Pi Zero is 700 megahertz, uh, a 7 processor, I think. Uh, this is an M4, uh, sorry, an M7, which is not, the processor itself isn't as powerful, um, but it's getting it's getting closer to it. I mean, you probably could run um, a very minimal version of Linux on this chip if somebody ported Linux to this chip. Is Metro IMX capable of USB host? I believe it is. Uh, all the IMX series can do USB host. However, you would lose the main USB interface. And so it, I didn't set it up because I personally feel like um, for CircuitPython or Arduino, whatever usage, uh, you don't want to lose your main port because otherwise it's very hard to upload new code. So you would have to use the SWD interface to do that. It's kind of for advanced uses. When will the Limbus drivers be available for microcontrollers with USB host? Um, I mean, I think it's just CDC, so it might actually work right now. Like you plug it in, um, it might appear as an interface, but you know, USB host is, is not going to be very fast. Um, and honestly, I would recommend just not going through USB and get a cellular module and just use a hardware UART instead of going through like three layers of interpretation. Next one, I can uh, answer this one. Is there a selective matrix for boards where you can filter by GPO account logic voltage? PDF frequency could be really useful. Ask Make Magazine, and I'll tell you why. Because if we did a board matrix guide, it would just have our boards. Make covers all of them, and they work with DigiKey, and they have a board guide, and they're very receptive to these type of suggestions. And not only would you see Adafruit boards, but you would get everyone else's board. Right too and uh, we're pretty confident and comfortable with having our stuff um, compared because we're not going to make every board for every reason we might not have something that fits your exact needs that's okay um, there might be someone else and it'd be nice to have one resource that's maintained i think that's a editorial uh mission for make to kind of have all these in one spot and you do a board guide every year so please 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 um ask make magazine because i think they'll do it any plans to make a pi 4 level ada board not going to compete with a Raspberry Pi 4. And you can get Raspberry Pi 4s. We actually had a bunch in stock today yep. uh, for many, many hours. So there's no need. Um, I think that they do a great job. And, uh, you know, I don't really want to design single board Linux computers. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, since you recently over the Octal PCF RAM issue, does it mean the recent Metro ESP32 S3 will only work in QSPY mode? Um, I'm going to revise the board to have it work with the Octal PS RAM. So only a couple got sent out and we'll probably just replace yeah. them. For the board guide, if it's on GitHub or other, I'd be happy to contribute. That's Contact another make. That's yeah, another thing. So I'd ask Make if they would consider putting the board guide on um, GitHub because they'd get more contributions that way. And it could be like a yearly community thing. I think you'd have to make sure that like one company doesn't just stuff all their boards in. Um, every single year we get asked to contribute to their board guide and it's usually a spreadsheet and we put in all the information. Um, my opinion, um, it would be nice to have it out in the open where it just gets updated every year. Cause then you'd have it forever. And I think that's it. Yeah. I think that is everything. We speed rounded it. Oh, how do you how do you deal with outbound shipping during disaster like hurricane? Um, so usually what we do is we inform the customers if there's a place that we know that has um, a shipping outage. We also have it in our terms of service. We're like, hey, there's going to be natural disasters sometimes. I mean, there's winter. Yeah, there's yeah we we were stuck with winter every year usually, um, but usually it's just uh, notifying customers if they're in an area that their shipments may be delayed. Usually they're trying to take care of business and themselves and family and not worried about their packages. Um, but so far with all the natural disasters each year, we've managed to um, get everybody their goods. And if 
they don't make it, we do refunds or replacements because that is how we roll. I think that is our show for tonight. Yeah, I just got through all these. Thank you very much, everyone. This has been an Adafruit production. Don't forget the code is MetroNXP. We will see everybody next week. Here is your moment of Zener. We got this entire show done. This is a monster show. Bye, everybody. Bye.